betting. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Bet with the Best podcast. Its mission is to explore better ways to bet on races, to seek out new, successful players, and to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. The Bet with the Best podcast is sponsored by Amwager, an ADW built by horse players for horse players. Speed, power, and ease of use are at the core of Amwager, designed to give players the information and tools they need to quickly make anything from a simple win bet to a complex, structured superfecta or pick five wager. When you combine that with data and pool updates that are up to 60 times faster than the competition, Amwager is the clear winner in wagering on races online. Those are just a few of the many special features that Amwager has to offer, along with live video and race replays, free integrated form to win past performance information, conditional wagering, and true odds, which are a prediction of off odds based on all available pool data. That and much more. Amwager is licensed and operated in the U.S., and best of all, they will actually pay you to play. If you sign up now and deposit and bet $150, you will earn a $150 lump sum bonus. So there is no reason not to give Amwager a try. If you want to bet with the best, then you need the best tools to wager with. You need Amwager. Welcome to episode 24 of the Bet with the Best podcast. Joining us this week is longtime successful horse player and NHC Hall of Fame member Paul Sherman. Welcome to the show, Paul. How is it going? Thank you, uh, Chris. Uh, it's going fine. It's uh, finally have a little weather, good weather here in New York. I'm starting to look forward to the uh, the NHC coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm going to do some horse tourneys tournaments today. Watch a little basketball, and that's uh, basically my usual my usual Sunday. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to the NHC. So you're living the dream. That's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and we are going to spend um, some time talking about contest play. A lot of the this conversation, I'd like to. Um, spend on that topic and also um, the mythical win place um, contests like the National Handy Horse Players Championship NHC um, uh, as well as live bankroll contests because you've been successful for quite a long time on, in those and the NHC is coming up so I thought those people who are interested in contests um, could get a lot out of this podcast but before we do that I want to talk more in general about your experience as a horse player and kind of how you got into the game. And I think you've listened to the podcast before. So, you know, I start things off with what I call the horse player origin story, where I ask you to tell the listeners, you know, how you got involved in this crazy game of, you know, being a horse player and how that kind of led to where you are today. So if you would, please share with us your horse player origin story. Okay, well, I could back a long way. So let's go back to the 1970s. How about that? 
And um, wait, I've got to I've got to interject us for a second because I thought it was so funny when you sent me an email that was a an AOL dot yeah. email. I mean, so I know you've been. You're you're an older guy like me if you got to still have an AOL account because most of the listeners probably have no idea what AOL is. But that was like the very first way to get an email on the internet when it first came out was the I think maybe there were others, but the most popular and the one I'm aware of was the AOL account. So and when that for a while. When I first got the account, I was with I'll remember I was with my father and and my brother Bill, and they set me up on the internet and I picked a horrible name for my, uh, for my, uh, my, my username. It's, it's Herlman, H-E-R-L-M-A-N, which is a combination of my wife's maiden name, Herling and Sherman. And I just thought, ah, good combination. So Herlman and, and my, my good friend, uh, uh, Mitch Schumann said, what was vomit guy already taken? You have to take Herlman. It's a, it's a terrible name. Um, but, my my father said, "Now you're connected to the world." And my brother said, "And the world is connected to you." And it couldn't couldn't be more true. Um, but that was back in 2000. But back in the 70s, my brother, who was four years younger than I am, used to when he when he was in high school, there was a bus from where I lived to Roosevelt Raceway. So he and his friends, when he was 15 or 14 used to take the bus to Roosevelt Raceway, which for those who don't know is a, it's a, um, it's a harness track. Um, it's, it's long gone. Now there's huge shopping malls there, but once in a while I would go with him to the harness track. And he, my brother actually took me to, when I graduated college in 76, my brother was just finishing up high school and we both went to Belmont, and he basically took me to Belmont, and we went with probably twenty bucks in our pockets to uh, to get us into the track to get us a hot dog and two dollars a race, and uh, we hit the first daily double, and that was it. Uh, now, with regard to um, my tournament play, back in two thousand. I was home watching the OTB channel and there was an ad on the channel for a tournament at Belmont. So my wife was sitting with me to do mind if I go, it's two days, it'd be fine. She goes, sure, go. Little did she know, um, I went there. At that time, the Belmont tournament was held in a tent in the backyard. And I walked into the, under this tent and, oh my God, I saw people, you know, 200 people handicapping some even had laptops with them and it was it was great and i loved it i met a couple of good friends there who i'm still friendly with wolfson jr i met there after that and and you know have been uh competing in the nhc for years and tournaments for years together through that um and i called my brother after the tournament and i said i said bill I found what we're doing in our retirement. This is going to be it. And uh, he's just retired, and I'm still not retired, but we've been doing this uh, ever since. So since, since 2000, 2001, we've been doing tournaments. So you were playing, you were, uh, playing regularly before you got involved in tournaments, but tournaments sort of took it to a new, a new level. Is that what you're saying? 
tournaments changed um, how I, not how I played, but my focus. My brother and I uh, have been going to Saratoga every year uh, since, I would say, 1978, 79. So um, we used to go for the same week. We started out going, going during Alabama week, but the racing prior to the Alabama that week was, was bad, was not great. So we decided, oh, we'll go to Travis Week. So we went to Travis Week for a while, but that got too hectic. Um, I used to go get online for Travis Day. This is before they, they were selling seats to you, selling uh, seats in the, uh, in the uh, Four Star Dave or picnic tables or the other areas. So I'd get online at 3 a.m., stand online and then once the gates open at seven o'clock make the mad dash for to, to to try to get a picnic table and there are, of course at 3 a.m there are still 200 college kids in front of you waiting to get in and by 705 the tables were gone and one of the years i was dashing in and fell and i said what the hell am i doing <laughs> i'm not doing this anymore so now, of course, I can get tickets ahead of time, price of ahead of time, but back then. So we, we sort of changed our weeks up. We don't go to the big weekends in tra- uh, at Saratoga, but we do go um, uh, usually one week a year, one weekend a year to Saratoga. But starting with the tournaments, the, the, the focus changed from regular betting to, uh, to playing in tournaments. Uh, it just seemed like a, a better way. It was a better way to control your losses, to to control your bankroll, because you had a you had an entry fee, and that was all you could. That was all you were risking, and the possibility of winning was a lot greater. And the takeout was pr- usually less than for the tournaments was usually less than what would what would the takeout be if you were doing regular betting. So the focus changed from regular betting to tournament betting and any betting I do now is comes off uh, what I'm handicapping in tournaments. If I, I usually will only bet, bet the races in the tournaments, but if there's something I really like, I'll, I'll play that. Or if there's a, you know, a pick four where I like two of the races, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But for the most part, my regular betting is non-existent. It's all, all tournament betting or off off what I'm doing, uh, off races, which I've handicapped in tournaments. So in terms of race selection for you, it's kind of dictated by the tournaments you're in and your actual non-tournament betting, is, it just comes out of, if you see something that you can't necessarily leverage within the tournament, but you could do betting, then that's when you, you bet you know, paramutually? Yes, that would be more like, how can this horse lose? Or how is this horse eight to one? And that's that's the horse. That's the horse I'll play. And if I can play doubles with, if I can play uh, win bet, I'll, I'll I'll do that. But otherwise, um, you know, when when you're doing the uh, the especially the online tournament betting, you are limited to the races that are being that are being offered, and a lot of the time. Yeah, they're not races you would normally bet. 
So once in a while, yeah, maybe one or two times during the course of a, a 10 race or 12 race uh, online tournament, I'll see something I like and I'll, I'll, I'll play that. But I have to really like it. Otherwise, I'm just playing the, um, the, uh, uh, the tournament. Okay, so I want to get into a lot of detail on tournament play because I know you have a lot of insight to offer there, but I want to kind of work up to that and just start out by um, you know, how you, your handicapping you know, and betting evolved before you got involved in, in racing and then how it might have changed afterwards. But like, you know, how do you approach, you know, do you, what's your basic handicapping style and tools and philosophy? Um, so you kind of just share that um, to get, get us started. My, my philosophy, and I've shared this, and people, people don't really understand it or don't, don't handicap the same way I do. Very simple. I look for the fastest horse in a race. And I look for how the race sets up. Um what horses could be coming up to a good race, what horses are improving. And if, if the race sets up in a way that I, if I can envision a, a, a race shaping up in a certain way and the horse is coming up to, and the horses that, that, I, that I like are coming up to a good race, then that would be a play. Um, I use... HTR, I use two things. I use HTR and I use thoroughgraphs. The HTR is the first thing I look at. And basically I only use HTR, I basically only use HTR for me to determine a quick setup of the race. I can see who's going to be in the lead. I can see who's going to press. I can see how much speed is in the race. I can see which horse is the best closures in the race. And I, I get a vision of of how the race is going to unfold. Then I go to the thoroughgraphs and, and see the fastest numbers, if there are what, what horses are coming up to a good race, um, who I think are improving, uh, and I have certain angles there. And if they, if they match up, if the, if the setup of the race matches up with a horse I like on the, on the sheets, then, then that's a play. And again, in in a in a um, online tournament, ten or twelve races, there are you know there are there are races that all look all look the same. You can't all the horses look the same. So on the on the online tournaments, there's not as much of a likelihood of me finding horses that that meet both criteria that would be played. So then I have to go down a little further. Then I got to go down my list of, of priorities. Um, maybe class or maybe trainer stats, something like that. But basically, I like to look at the setup of the race and the, the sheets looking for the fastest horse or horses coming up to a good race. Um, the reason... I've had pretty good success in the NHC tournaments is because of the large number of races. You know, um, every day there are 90 races. Um, so 
90 races over three, you know, two days, 180 races, 220 races. So there's more of a chance of you finding, you have a lot of options, more of a chance of you finding criteria that match what I'm looking for. Um, and so instead of having, instead of having a race, having to pick a race where all the horses look the same to me, I can throw that race out. And that's a, I can come back to it later if I don't have enough plays, but if everything looks the same, I've got no distinct reason for playing that race, I can toss it. And out of 90 races a day, I should be able to find 10 or 12 that fit all my criteria. Okay, so I want to go back and, and cover some of the things that you um, <laughs> touched on in a little bit more detail. So uh, just to summarize and tell me if I got this right, um, there's sort of two primary factors you look at. One is sort of the, the race shape or how it's going to set up, and you use a tool called HGR to, to help you with that. And the other right. is looking for who's the fastest horse and maybe the horse that's you know improving or likely to run well use thoroughgraph for that that's a tool that helps you with that and then you're looking for a horse that looks good through both lenses and i'm assuming if you get in the price that you think is is good those are the kind of horses you would bet on the kind of horses you would like to play in a contest if you have that option and if you run into races where you have to play in a contest and you don't find a horse like that, then you start looking at secondary, what you consider to be secondary factors like right. class and trainer and stuff right. like that. Does that kind of sum it up, right? That sums it up. And interesting that, you know, and and, and this this works for me. I have no, you know, nothing against how anyone else handicaps. They, you know, my, my friends will handicap differently. I got a breeding friend and I got a uh, look at the race replay friend and I got people who, who live by the, by the, um, the workout reports. I I haven't looked at a daily racing form in in fifteen years. Um, I I don't know buyer figures. I don't look at workouts because I have I have trouble differentiating between a, a what a difference between a B and a B minus workout is. And I don't look at uh, race replays because, at least for me, I tend to see what I want to see, and. There was one tournament in particular where I was with a group of friends and four of my four of my friends who are excellent handicappers were looking at a race and they all had disagreements about what happened in the race. So you see, you know what? Uh, let me just go with what works for me, and that's 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 what works. And uh, you know, my success in the NHC, I, I attributed twofold: one to uh, me simplifying it. Because it's it's tough to look at at, at eight hundred horses during the course of a tournament, um, unless you can really toss things out quickly, and the fact that I I can I can do it quickly, I can quickly look at a race setup, I can quickly look at a at the at the sheets and and see what works, and I can quickly throw out races. So, you know, that's what the NHC and I I, I had uh, good success in the Horseplay World Series too. Uh, for the same reason, I have all these options to to play from, uh, to um, you know, so so I could I could I could pick and choose what I wanted to instead of being told what races I have to play. So you you've kind of developed a system that lets you um, cut through 
what can be a really intimidating, you know, like you said, 200 and something races over three right. days right? Uh, without overwhelming yourself. You can zero in on horses you think are, are you know, the kind of horses you want to play. And you've had some success doing that. So you kind of have the confidence to keep doing that year after year. Right. And, and it's still overwhelming. <laughs> it's still, <laughs> and it's still overwhelming, but um, it's, it's, it's worked for me. Every time I try to add something, it, it sort of backfires. It doesn't work. So pretty much this is, this is how I've been doing it for the last, you know, the last uh, 12 years. I mean, I've, I've, I've cast, and I've qualified, I think there's 21 times, there's 22 in the NHC. I've cast eight times, but uh, seven of those times have been since like 2010. So, and that's when I started using HDR, which is interesting. So that's when I sort of simplified it, and that's given me the, the most success. And HDR is a great tool. It's very complex. There are a lot of ways you can use it, but I use it for the very simple reason of looking at looking at a few pages of, 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 of data and seeing how the race sets up. People use it in much more complicated ways, but I, I just use it for that, for that purpose and it's worked for me. And it's a tool that's pretty popular among contest players. Um, I do know quite a few that use it. And like you said, it, it has all kinds of um, information that it provides. Um, but it's a it's a a computer based tool, right? That right. Um, you that that does give information, a lot of information. It's, it's kind of pace centric, but it gives a lot of right. other information, right. like on workouts and breeding and stuff like right. that as well. It's funny that um, that I had back in I think probably two thousand eight, and at that point in time, I had I had cast one small cast, yeah, after, uh, after six or seven qualifications and we were at it i believe it was a red rock and there was a cap horse that 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 came in and the word around the the room was ah the hcr people all had it and it was at that point i said yeah i gotta start to instead of fighting we gotta join them and since that time i've developed the way i use the uh hcr uh but but since then i've been had a lot of success yeah and what way i would ca characterize it is You've got this big landscape of of races and horses in the races, and somehow you've got to um, you know find your way to the horses that you want to play. This is I'm thinking of the NHC, but this is true about a day at the races. You know, you got right. a whole you've got cards running all over the place, horses in those races, and what as a horse player you're trying to find, you know, that needle in a haystack, those horses right. where you think you have an edge or you find value and uh, and today it's probably harder to do that than it was 20 years ago um you know there's fewer needles in those haystacks and right. the way you figured out how to do it and, and i think this is what everyone needs to do it may be different lenses but you need to sort of triangulate right. you got to right. triangulate and you, you can't do that with one one vector right one vector just gives you a, a line across that landscape Right. You need at least one other vector so you have some sort of intersection, and that's where you go. You know that right. intersection of those two views of things. In your case, you know the the race shape kind of pace. I'll call it pace, right? But pace, race shape, um, setup kind of thing, and then speed and form. And actually, you kind of have three. I'd say you've got how the race is going to set up, how fast the horses are, and which horses are likely right. to run 
right. you know, their best race or maybe even the best race ever in their life. So you kind of have three, right. uh, you know, lines that you're triangulating with in, and, and where those intersect. Right. And they don't, a lot of races and horses, there's no <laughs> intersection, but Correct. sometimes there are. And then when they're that intersection and you find that, you know, that's where you dig deeper and hopefully you can find a horse that you want to play. Right. Does that and seem fair? Right. Yes, it's fair. And, and sometimes it's just like pops out at you like, wow. You know, sometimes it's just, wow, this is, this is a play. And, and everybody has their, their angles too, with regard to what they like, you know, second off a layoff, turf to dirt, um, um, new, what do you do with a, a horse coming, coming off a new top? How do you handle that? So, uh, so within, within those two, like vectors or three vectors, there, there are things that, you know, some of it's gut too. Some of it's, you know, I, I see, you see things that only you see, uh, and it just hits you and maybe through experience, but, um, yeah, that's, you, you gave a perfect description of what I, what I, how I handicap. And I think most successful players do the same thing. They might not have the same vectors right. and they might not have the same tools that they use to, to point right. those vectors in the right direction, but they're all doing something similar. And there's usually one or two or three major um, things that they look at. And then, like you said, um, sometimes there's other um, things that come into play that they can use. And that, like you said, favorite angles. Um, right. And the other part you talked about, like sometimes the horse just jumps out at you. Right. I, that kind of intuition, right. uh, if you've been playing for a long time, you get that, but that you're not born with that intuition. It develops through experience, over, I think. Over 40 years, right? 30, 50 um, years, so a lot, long time. So, um, so if you find a horse that you like, first let's talk about betting. Um, what would... You, you like it now are you going to bet it regardless of the price do you somehow come up with what you think is a good price and this horse's value or that's, i mean how that's do you make a, that that's decision? An, that's an excellent question it depends on the tournament it depends on where you are in the tournament it depends on where you stand in the tournament uh so all those factors come into play with regard to something like the NHC, um, initially, for as long as I can go, I play who I like. I don't care about the price. If I think a horse has got a good shot of winning, I don't care if it's three to one, four to one, seven to two, 20 to one. I play that. And I do that until. I'm forced to do otherwise until I'm so far behind or no, until I'm so far behind that I have, I'm forced to play horses that, that I don't really like. My people say, well, how can you play that horse is three to one? How, how, how about this horse is eight to one? I said, well, I don't like that horse. Why would, why would I play a horse that I don't like as opposed to a horse that I do like? And, you know, with, with 600 entries in the NHC, it's it's you're you're pretty much first of all you're 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 pretty much at any point two horses away from being in the money. Um, so 
there's there's really no reason to panic. You just in the NHC, I just want to collect, 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 and see and see where I am, and, and then later on, if I need, see what I need later on, if I do need stuff later on. But my my uh, my thought when I when I walk into the room is I, I just want to collect, 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 whether it's three to one. Or or five to one or twenty to one. Some people just play twenty to one. Some people don't pay anything under eight to one. But yeah, how many people? When the cut line is 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 when you have, when you know the cut line, how many people are within ten dollars of the cut line? You know, fifty maybe in this in these tournaments, fifty. So the four to one that you loved that you didn't play, although you loved it would have put you in the money so my 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 philosophy is play who you like until you're forced not to the one of my favorite stories is uh, a few years ago in the horseplay world series i was sitting around 30th place there were probably 800 entries in that tournament and we're coming down to the end about five races left and i loved the horse it was morning line three to one and I'd opened up at like two to one. And I told my brother, I told Bill, I said, I got to play this horse. I can't lose. And he said, you can't play the horse. It's not enough money. It's not going to be any good. I said, I have to play it. I love it. It'll put me ahead of a lot of people. He said, don't play the horse. Went down seven to, seven to five. It went off at, at six to five. And he promised me you won't play the horse. I said, I'm not going to play the horse. I played the horse. It wins easily. It moves me up to like... It moves me ahead of like 20 people, that that horse. And then two races later, I hit a cap horse and came in second. Without that, without that horse that I loved that put me ahead of 20 of the people, I would have come in like like sixth or seventh, sixth or seventh. So, you know, th- there's so many people in these tournaments. And, you know, my 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 friend Pete Dressens, who sits with us at the NHC. Missed the cut two years ago by I think ten cents, and he was debating before that whether to play a, a four to five South Dakota. It might have been one of the Belmont. Might have been when we had the uh, the tournament uh, in August, and there was some horse that couldn't lose, and and he debated whether to play it. He didn't play it, but that would have gotten him in the money, and he's kicking himself since. So my philosophy is: take what they give you, bet what you like, and then until. Until you have to, you know, just keep with keep with your plan. So, and for you, bet who you like in the contest is just really around likelihood of winning. Um, you want to cash and collect as much many hits as you can. So you go down to even like you gave the example of a, a horse that was almost even money. Right. Until you until you really are to the point where that doesn't help you at all. Correct. You're going to keep playing those regardless of price. You're not looking for what I would call a value play. You're just looking for horses that are going to to um, win or run second, I guess, and give you, you know, keep adding to your total. And right. Because you figure in the contest world, you're getting value on right. some of these short price horses because nobody else is playing them. And right. That's moving up steadily you know kind of the right. tortoise versus the hare approach um on the leaderboard well sometimes but I, I could also like a 12 to one i could like it's just what 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 i like um the the horse that's three to one uh in the betting 
is 25 to one in the room. So you are, you are, uh, you're out doing the room if that, if you like a horse and the horse wins. So that's, and I, I'm also looking for value. So if there's a, again, it's, it's a lot of feel. If there's a three to one, I really like, but a, a 12 to one who, you know, is really close to this one, then, then I might go with it with the 12 to one. But basically the horses that pop out at me, the horses that hit all my angles, I will play, I'll play those horses. Yeah. And you made a good point. Um, I want to make sure I explain what you said um, when you said it's three to one on the board and 25 to one in the room in the contest. Uh, it's not a paramutual contest in that you're not for the, we're talking about mythical win place contests like the NHC right now. We'll get into the live bankroll a little bit later. Um, in that contest, um, it's, it, it, you know, you're saying that uh, if you look at everyone's plays, because of the nature of these contests and how most people gravitate towards longer priced horses, a short priced horse, um, if you were just to compute the odds based on the players in the contest and who they played, the odds would be much different than they are on the board. And typically long shots are shorter in the contest room and favorites are longer in the contest room. And then you're saying you can take advantage of that. Um, by playing horses you think are really strong favorites or even maybe not favorites, but shorter prices um, because very few other players will be on those horses, uh, be on those same horses. So, you know, you're, you're moving up the leaderboard and significantly more significantly than you think when you hit those. And if you can hit enough of those over the course of a contest, and like you said, in the NHC, you've got better chance of doing that than you do say in a, a much shorter, like a 10 race right. contest online, right? Uh, then that kind of strategy might play in your favor. Maybe not to win because typically the winners are going to ring up some crazy scores, but in terms of cashing or being, you know, you know, making money um, and cat hitting, making the cut line or maybe even, you know, getting higher up the leaderboard, that's one way to be, you know, more consistent and, and sort of contrarian in a way that's it would be very different than what you would see in a paramutual wagering, you know, regular paramutual wagering. Right. That's not to say you're not going to, you're not going to like a horse that's 20 to one during the course of your, your handicapping that, that there'll, there'll certainly be some longer priced horses that I think have an excellent shot and will play. Um, so it's, it's like a, it's like a mixture of both. Some people, some people won't play anything on under 12 to one. But or eight to one, but so it's really a combination of both. You need the the pack is so tight. You know, ten cents could 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 keep you out of the money. Ten cents could move you uh, on another level in the cashing. So it's really a combination of um, of, uh, of of you know short price horses, relatively speaking, and and long price horses. Uh, our old our old friend. Uh, Ron Rippey, who recently passed away, had what I consider like the perfect tournament uh, when he uh, at the Red Rock a few years back. Uh, he ran away from the field, but he had he, he played it perfectly. He had long shots and even money shots, uh, and and played it in such a way that that he ran away the tournament. But he couldn't he couldn't have won the tournament without having those short price horses in there. So. Uh, 
yes, I, I play what I like. Yes, I'll play shorter priced horses, but there certainly will be a, a number of 12 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 shots that I will play that, that I like to have a really good shot uh, to win during that course of the, uh, the tournament. Yeah, and I do think you are different than most players in the NHC, and I kidded you about it before because I've seen you play those even money shots when there was right. no way in the world I would have ever played that horse. Right. Um, and they usually win, and like you said, they can be the difference between cashing and not cashing. And and you mentioned how tight the leaderboard is. It typically is very tight, you know, uh, near the cut line or actually anywhere. Anywhere. The whole. <laughs> except for near the top. Usually there's separation at the top because, um, you know, some people are going to get hot out of 600 people. There's going to be a few people that are sort of right. distancing themselves from the field. So, um, you know, to win the contest, uh, you know, that high variance approach where there are people are trying, you know, just for long shots might be, give you a better chance to win a contest like that. But, um, you know, more often than not, you're going to finish way down on the leaderboard because you won't hit anything or you right. only hit maybe one or two horses. Whereas right. the kind of the mix that you talked about, it may be even leaning towards shorter price horses. You're going to have a lot less variability in your scores and probably a much better chance of just of making the cut line and cashing. Uh, probably less of a chance of actually winning unless, you know, just I, I mean, you I, couldn't I, win. You could get unless, hot, like, unless you get, you know, if, if you get it, if you get over the cut line relatively early then um then you can you can maybe take 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 better shots um because once you get over the cut line the, the difference in the money until you get to the top 10 is pretty it's pretty minimal uh you know you, 45th 44th 43rd for you know 42nd is like a hundred dollars hundred dollars hundred dollars a difference so once you know, once I'm once you're sure you're going to be above the cut line, then you can then you can push for that top, really top ten, is where you really get 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 paid. But the first goal is to get yourself in, you know, over the cut line. Uh, that's at least my my philosophy. So you talked about you do that until it's too late to do that. At what point right. do you panic? You know, when or, or I say and, panic, but when do you start? You know, getting into Plan B. Um, Later than you would think, because again, you're 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 really never more than two horses away from that cut line. It's just the the, the horses have to be enough of a price at that point. But I I I, you know, four or five picks left, maybe five five or six picks left. Depending on where I am, um, and yeah, it's 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 later than pe people would think. You really have you know just collect, collect, collect. Yeah, uh, you know, four to one shot gets me back. You know, fifteen dollars that moves me up a lot. Depending, again, depending on where I am. If I got zero and zero, then I'm I'm I'm, I'm sending it in on on big prices. But if I'm at a hundred, hundred and ten, hundred and twenty. I'm still pretty much until I'm still pretty much staying with the plan. Again, why would you play horses you don't like against horses you like unless I'm really I have no shot at that point? It's it's, it's sort of a feel thing, but it's it's 
I don't start stretching until two hours left, three hours left in the tournament in that in that second day. Do you save a pick for like the last race of the contest? Are you thinking yes. ahead? Well, in yes. the last four or five yes, picks, yes, 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 know? yes, always. So, always. like, what, what, how do you plan out those last few picks ahead of time? So you don't know where you're going to be heading into those. You know, it's a the day before or whatever. Well, uh, something I've talked about before is is I, I I handicap backwards. I handicap from back to front. I handicap the last races in the contest first, and then work my way back to the beginning of the contest. And the reason you do that is because invariably, no matter when you start, no matter how much work you put in, you're you're a little suspect at the end, and you're rushing at the end. You might not have either gotten to those late races or put as much time as you wanted in those late races. So. Yeah, I, I do pretty much zero handicapping when I'm in the room. Nothing. Uh, I know I'm going to play. I got my picks lined up, and that's what I play. So it's important for me to know what's coming up later on, what I like later on, instead of having to decide earlier, well, I like this four to four to one. He's like my 10th or 11th choice, but... Maybe there's a eighth one I like better later on. So if I'm, so it, it's uh, I want to know what's at the end first, and then if I need to handicap anything, um, I'm, I'm I have more time in the beginning to handicap stuff that that's that's early. Uh, the race is a little further apart. You don't have that that commingling of tracks that that occurs in the middle of the uh, each each day where a race is going off every three minutes. So I handicap backwards hopefully to get to everything but i know what's coming up late um and what was the question again <laughs> how, do, how do i well pick? so i i have well, to know what i have like to know a, what right i have i so have like to on know that last race or two do you have like if i'm in the lead this is the horse i'm going to play if i'm way behind this is who i'm going to play i mean do you think about it that way or, or i'm just curious how you think i about- i look at, i look at i look at the options that are available in those later races. Of course, if there's a if there's a five horse field in last last race, if there's a Golden Gate, you know, not the best Golden Gate race, the last the last race, which is unplayable, um, I will go to the next to last race. Uh, but I look for. I want to have options. I want to have options to go big. I have to go big. Uh, for the last races, so hopefully a, a late Santa Anita race will have a, a, a big fields. And that's that's if I need a big field. So I will keep one or two picks to the end. But again, I, I won't I won't save a save a pick for a, a, a five horse or six horse Golden Gate field with nothing over you know nothing over four to one or five to one. But uh, I, if there's a, a late Santa Anita race or maybe I guess Oaklawn or whatever whatever comes late, I'll make sure I have options. And then I have time to to pick out what I need at that point if I need it. But I need I'll need to, I want to have options at the end if I need them. That makes sense. Yeah. So you have an option like I, what I call a plan A, plan B. So I mean, right. You know, plan A is you've been doing great. You're on the lead. Um, you know, who am I going to go with? Or um, right. Versus you know, plan B is 
well, I'm in striking range, but I need a price. And then plan C would be, you know, I'm, I'm praying. <laughs> that right. I hit the Bombs ball. away. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so you've kind of thought about those scenarios on those last few races. Right. And kind of sort of have options for each is what you're saying. But I, I know it's, I know it's coming up. You always should know it's, what's at the end. It's easy to handicap early on, on the, easy to handicap on the fly early when you know what's coming up later on. But if you have no idea what those last five centennial races look like, how can you how can you determine whether or not that early aqueduct or Gulfstream race is a good enough value or better value than what's coming up late? There's no, I do no handicapping in the room until maybe the very end if I need something, and then I'm and then I'm picking uh, between what I need. But I know there are options later on. Yeah, it makes sense for all the reasons you said, but also. You probably have a little clearer thinking uh, by yourself than you do in that packed room with people screaming and yelling. Right. And, uh, right. you know, uh, so it makes sense if you can. And, and the way you, you, your methodology where you can do things fairly quickly kind of enables yeah. you to, to get that all done in advance of heading down to the, the, the room. I, okay, uh, so by the way, talk about, oh, I never come down to the room, by the way, until I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make a uh, play. So uh, you'll never see me. You usually won't see me until, until many times at first mandatory. Um, I did come down a couple of years ago. I came down for the first race, but I love the first race and it won. But that's the only time in, ever that I ever came down for the first race. Usually, unless I love something early, I'm in my room handicapping. But for me, if I haven't finished handicapping, because that room is a distraction. That room is uh, is a hubbub and. And, you know, I know, you know, a good number of people there. I'm talking to everybody. Uh, so uh, I, I, I stay as long as I can in the room. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned mandatory races. That was going to be that, my next question. So it was a good lead in. So do you treat the mandatory races differently from the optional? Because they're at, just for people not familiar to, you know, with the NHC format, you typically uh, have a certain number of races that everybody in the room has to play. They're the mandatory races. And there's uh used to be eight a day. This for the first time this year, it will be six mandatory races on Friday and eight on Saturday. And then it's all optional on the Sunday morning. So there's, you know, 14 races used to be 16 races that everyone in the room's playing. So is that dynamic? Uh, first of all, you have to play the race, right? So it's a good right. chance there won't be anything you like, you know, that that your right. vectors lead you to. So because, how right. do you deal with those mandatory races? And, and, you know, because they are somewhat different than the optional. Well, well, your, your point that that there's probably nothing I, I, I like is is borne out by the fact that they're trying to make race. They're trying to pick races like that. They're trying to pick races that look pretty even. Uh, they're not they're not picking races that that, that you're going to have a two to five shot. Uh, they're picking uh, usually relatively large fields and usually close together horses. Uh, basically the same. I, I play who I like. Um, it's probably easier in a race like that to go with a longer price horse if because of the the way they select the races the 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 Horses are pretty similar or all look pretty much alike. So it's easier there to pick out to try to find some sort of edge 
for one horse uh, at, at some sort of price. Um, so in, in that kind of race, I would be more against going, taking a three to one, five to two, three to one, unless I, unless I loved it. Uh, but if, if they all look the same to me, I would probably go with, uh, with a, a longer price horse. I just, let me give you one, one, another example. A couple of years ago, many, uh, four or five, six years ago, um, the first mandatory race, a cap horse came in. Um, and of course, you know, the, a quarter of the room had it because it's a cap horse at a, in a mentor race and everyone, everyone else panicked. Um, but that's not a reason to panic. It's a long, it's a long tournament. And most likely those people who, who play the cap horse are going to be playing all cap horses. Um, and the people, yeah, people panicked. They started playing horses that, that probably were longer than they wanted to play. I ended up finishing, I think, sixth that year. But just it's it's a long tournament, and just just keep playing, keep playing who you like. But it's it's even if you miss an early cap horse or a big horse, is it's just it's a long tournament. You know, there's plenty of time. Yeah, and I will say one thing that um, the mandatory versus optional on the cap horses. If you hit a cap horse in an optional race. You know, it's really good because not everybody in the room is playing that race and, you know, not everybody playing that race will be on the cap horse. So that usually is a big separator for you. If you can hit a big price in an optional race, you know, it will it, it's probably more valuable for sure than hitting a big price in a mandatory race, because any t any big price, a mandatory race is going to have a whole lot of people on it. Um, right. By definition, most people are only playing price horses. Or when I say a price horse, you know, probably eight or ten to one or higher. Um, and you know, there's only so many of them in the race. So out of 600 people, you're going to have you know 100 people on or more right. probably on any horse. Whereas in an optional race, you might be one of only a few people that have right. it, um, depending on the race. And so there's there's really value in getting, you know, those bigger prices in the optional races if you can find them. Um, so in that sense, having a, you know, playing long shots and optionals maybe sounds better than long shots in mandatory races, um, just because of the, you know, separation right. value in that. Uh, but I will say the other side of that is if a long shot comes in in a mandatory race and you don't have it, then you get buried, right? Like you said, you don't necessarily have to panic, especially if it's early, but especially later in the day, you can get buried by one race, right? Um, and, and, you know, it's later in the contest. So the risk is sort of a risk thing. The reward of hitting a long shot in an optional race is much great. greater than a mandatory race. And the risk is lower because if you, if it doesn't come in, there's not gonna be a hundred people in the room that have some other long shot that kill you. You know, you don't, you don't get buried by right. your long shot not come in. But on the uh, flip side of that, in a mandatory race, it may not be great, that great to have a long shot because so many other people have it. But if you don't have it, you can get buried, especially in the later right. ones. So you almost need to be a little more aggressive defensively later on. Defensively, in the contest. yeah. Defensively, defensively is a good word for it. Um, but again, it depends where you are right. and where you're in the contest. But, but it, I mean, but even also, if you're doing well, you don't right. want to get rolled by one race late. So, right. I mean, 
you need to kind of think about that. I'm not saying you always play the long shot, but if there is a long shot that scares you a little, um, you know, you might want to play that even if you're doing well. Um, you might want to play that even if you're not doing well. But uh, so, I mean, I do think it's a little bit different way you have to think about things. Like you said, it's always within the context of where you are on the right. leaderboard and where you are in the contest, you know, in terms of is it early or late kind of right. thing. But again, like we said earlier, you know, especially later in the contest and, and where, where you are in the contest, that 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 three to one shot that you play and hit is 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 thirty to one in the room. Right. Nobody nobody has that. So that so there's a, there's a lot to weigh. It's a lot of feel. It's where you are. It's how much you like the course. It's it's a it's a lot of things. But we all know from whoever plays online tournaments that's that it's easy to get rolled in a last race if the 25 to one shot comes in and then you go from the second place to out of the money. So that's, that's, it's just part of the game. It's, 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 uh, it's a chance you take and, and, and you decide how you want to play it or play against it or protect yourself from it. Yeah. And you know, there's not necessarily a right or a wrong and one good result or bad result doesn't prove your method is the right way to do it. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of luck involved, uh, especially yes. near the end. Uh, you just have to accept that. I, you know, I will say one of the more frustrating things is, and I'll give you, use your your example. Say you have a horse you really like, and it turns out this is one that's going to be a price, and it's near the end of the the second day, and the horse wins, and it wins at twenty to one, but it was a mandatory race. <laughs> Right, yeah. A whole well, bunch yeah. of other people who you know did not like that would not have played this horse if it right. hadn't been a mandatory race and they weren't, you know, <laughs> way down the leaderboard. You know, that's the right. frustrating part because you feel like, you know, you deserve that and they didn't. But in the way that, right. you know, in the in the contest world, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> there's a there's a train of thought from from a, a lot of players, uh, the be- some of the better players, actually, who want no mandatory races. In the tournament just for that reason because i had this 20 to one shot and now a quarter of the room has it but on the other hand the the mandatory races are the great uh, the great equalizer um and really give gives everyone a chance of of doing well because uh they're concentrating they're more likely to, to have collections in the mandatory races um so it's sort of an equalizer uh raises the 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 Lower level handicappers, no, uh, 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 as opposed to the higher level handicappers, it sort of evens the field a little bit with the mandatory races. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the main reasons for having mandatory races too is it forces people to get out of their comfort zone. And one of the ways they choose mandatory races is they try to spread it across tracks, different kinds right. of races, sprints, right. routes, you know turf dirt maidens claiming stakes so you can't like oh i all i do is play first time starters well yeah i mean if you could just get away with just playing first time starters only in and win a contest you know i'm not sure that's you know the best test of your robust handicapping skills so part of it was you know as a horse player are you able to uh navigate the waters for you know you know, a whole bunch of different types of races and not just a specialist in one kind of race that right. forces you out of it, your comfort zone. Right. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to it. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think having some mandatory races 
uh, does force you to play races you normally wouldn't play or, or maybe don't right. even like, but it, it makes it tests your skills and right. in those areas. And it does definitely raise the energy level of the room when everybody's playing yes. the same yes. race, especially if there's some long shots in contention. I mean, that's fun. Um, it's a good time uh, when yeah. you know that long shot is battling and a lot of people are on it and maybe there's two long shots and this could be the difference between a life changing score and not, you know, that that's kind of energy you get in the room is, yeah, is you're getting me excited. Part of the yeah. Fun. You're getting me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good. Okay. Thing. So we talked about mandatory races, which is a big part of these um, contests. And then we're, again, we're focused right now on the mythical win place because it's something I haven't really covered on this show before. And I know a lot of players, uh, you know, like the contests. Um, what about multiple entries? And let's talk about the NHC because you can have two entries. So you're a guy who typically comes into the NHC with two entries. You've usually earned a couple during the year. That's the most you can have. They limit you to two. It. Um, how do you handle the, the two entries? You know, what do you do with that second entry? That's, that's a great question because my, my, my thinking on it has changed over the past couple of years, especially seeing how many handicappers end up with two entries in the top 10 or top 12 or top, even top 50. Uh, those are people who are playing the two entries the same. So along with a theory again of playing the horse you like, why you say in the mandatory races playing the horse you like and another horse, a horse you don't like as much. Why aren't you playing the horse you like on both your tickets? Well, because, you know, I can, I can cover a long shot that I like sort of, but, um, the, 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 Tournaments, NHCs, where I have not hit, I've been in the money, I invariably have split my tickets. I have 130 points on both tickets where I needed 170. So, and, I, and I've played different horses. So that's how I had played it before. Um, I was in the money last year. I, I, I played it that way, but and maybe, I, I, and I, I told, I had a few interviews last year where I told uh, some people that, you know, from now on, I'm going to play the same, the same horse on both entries. Well, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can do that. I, I, but I, I'll, I'm going to say, I'm going to play, I'm certainly going to play more plays on, on the same entry than I have in the past. Well, I usually didn't play any. Uh, on the same entries, but it's a good, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, but I, I hate split my tickets and I do that every time, uh, every time I haven't qual, I haven't been on the money it's be and I've split tickets and whether I would have had enough, uh, if I had played them the same, whether I would have had enough on that one ticket to put me over the top, I don't even, I, I haven't calculated that, but there is a good argument for playing both tickets the same, and there's an argument for playing both tickets differently. I, I don't know. That's my answer, Chris. 
Yeah, sounds like you you've really got that one figured out, Paul. Um, yeah, no, right, I, right. I like the fact you're willing to to consider, you know, changing things over time. I and mean, I think being flexible makes a lot of sense yeah. because the game definitely changes. Um, so let's just say you stuck. You actually did play the same uh, horse on both entries this year, and you get to some point. Uh, eventually, like say you make to the final table and you've got two entries, are you gonna? Yeah, at some point oh, yeah, you're I'm probably gonna, gonna split it, right? I mean, at that point you know, I'll split. At that point yeah, I'll split. And even even if I had two entries in the money, I would I would most likely split them to try to get one in the top. Ten. Next, we got one in the top ten. Um, but I believe there was one person in the top 10 last year who stuck with the same picks every time and, and didn't do that well. Um, I, I think at that point, um, I think at that point you have to split, unless you love something, unless you love something, uh, you know, some people have, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 it, it's, it's a tough call. I say I'm going to try to play as many as I can in the same ticket this, this year. But we'll see what happens when I <laughs> when I'm sitting there. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I hate yeah. split my tickets. I hate split my tickets. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it, it can be frustrating. Um, uh, and you know, it might be a, the hybrid approach where if the horse yeah. you really love, you play it on both, right? right? And it's those races where you don't really love a horse, um, but right. you can take the mandatories and Correct. and that's where you could split it. Um, that's yeah. what my thinking is now, but again, when push comes to shove, when I'm sitting there and I, 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 I'll see what I do. I'll see, I'll see how gutsy <laughs> I am, but I don't know which is more gutsy. I, I guess playing both in one same ticket is, is gutsier than, than being sort of quote safe. Um, you know, so, uh, I, I, I am leaning towards a hybrid approach. It depends, and it depends what I like. It depends what the handicapping looks like, and what uh, you know. For certain, in the situations, and I do that now. When I do, when I have pick and praise um, online, if there are, I, I I'll always play the same pick and praise. Always play the same on both tickets, except when there are two. Horses, I think, have a good pro- two long shots. I think have a good pro- uh, shot at winning. Then I'll split. But otherwise, on pick and praise, it's a whole different strategy. I'll I'll play, definitely play the same tickets. Unless, but I think you might have right. just you might have just talked yourself into your strategy in the NHC because those are basically mandatory races. So maybe that's the way. Maybe you, know, you approach I'm, the mandatory I'm, races just like you would a pick and pray. Maybe I, again, it depends how strongly I feel. But again, if I don't feel strongly, I, again, it depends on how the race sets up. It depends on what I like. I, I, it, it, it's a terrible answer, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'll either split them. I'll go hybrid, or I won't split them. There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's my answer. That settles but it. I, you know, I don't know. I will say that it, if it's if your style, where you're playing the horses you really like for the most part, even in your optional plays, and they're not necessarily big prices. They could be, but they don't have to be. Uh, then playing them both, the same horse on the, both tickets, makes a lot of sense yes. to me. Um, if uh, your strategy is to go for the bombs, 
you know, and that's kind of what you're doing for the most part, at least early on, then it sort of makes sense to not play the same, you know, play two different horses because right. that will maximize your okay. you're already so, playing a high variance strategy. So, right. So then what do you do? You, you hit one cap horse. So at, at uh, on, on one of the tickets, so I've got, so 80 bucks on one ticket and 30 on the other. Now what do I do? That's, that's, that's the question. Now I play the long shots on the, uh, this is, this is why you split your tickets. You play the, <laughs> the longer shot on the lower tickets and the shorter shots on the higher tickets. And then, then at the end of day one, you're sitting at a hundred bucks on both tickets. That's it's my, it's my life. That's why. Uh, and then, yeah, when it, but you know, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I, you know, I think we both have had these conversations before the NFC yeah. because we've all split our tickets. But right. the, my my philosophy on that would be, you know, you're you're the better ticket. You're playing like you only had one ticket. Right. right? Exactly. And the other one, you're playing a little looser because right. you know it's yeah. kind of house money. And if it you end up hitting some bombs on that and splitting your tickets. <laughs> It's not like you did any worse than you would have if you only had one right. ticket. Because if you only had one ticket, you would have gotten the same score you had on that first one. So Correct. to me, that second one is just, uh, you know, some it's the bomb an, an extra right. shot. Right. And if you get lucky and it's not lucky enough to qualify and your main picks didn't stunk it up for the rest of the contest, right. you wouldn't have done any better. Okay. Okay. Way, here's, right? Now, here's my question to you. Okay. Um. No, now I forgot my question. Right. Um, oh, go on. You asked me a question. I'll come back to that. Now I forgot my question. All right. Well, anyway, so I, so I, to me, you know, when you get that bit separation between the two tickets and the fact that the other one might catch up to it, your lower ticket, you might not hit something and catch up. You know, that, that doesn't mean you would have done better with one ticket because your one ticket would have been, you're playing, if you're right, smart, right. you're playing the ones you would have played if you had only one ticket on your best ticket. So okay. here's, here's my, I remember, I remember my question. Here's a question for you. Okay. So you've got one ticket with a hunt with 90 and another ticket with 30 and you got two entries. Do you play the same race with both tickets covering different horses or do you play different races? Uh, well, like I said, I would just play my first ticket like I only had one ticket. All right. right. So, so then on the other ticket, you can do whatever you want. It depends ticket. on what your style is. But I, I yeah. would, my, my one firm rule is play that first ticket right. as if you only had one ticket. So don't worry about the other ticket. Just pick the horses you want and then do whatever you want with the other ticket. You know, so that's on the my other ticket, do you play that same race? Covering now covering two horses in that race. Uh, I don't think it matters. Like I said, I you can whatever you want to do. Uh, right. If if it's a race where you think there's two horses you like, right. Of course, and, right. Um. Then you then sure do that. Play play the second one. But if it's a race where you only like one, and that's a horse you would play right. if you only had one ticket, you play on the one ticket. Agreed. Right. I agree. I agree. So so to me, at the end of the day, if you ended up failing to cash and you split across two tickets if you did what i described and you you always play you know that ticket where you got separation right. as if you only had one then you would not have done any better wouldn't have mattered if you had it only had the one ticket you, splitting yeah. tickets just because you got lucky and hit something on your second entry right 
but it's not like you would do better with only one entry. That's right. my, my argument is yeah, and if, that's, if that's, that's true, I, then you're not playing the two tickets right because you should be playing your the Porsche you would have picked on one ticket on that. Correct. That I, I agree. You're not, you're not playing the horse you like on your worst ticket, for sure. So I don't think you're like, when you split tickets, I don't think people are, are really missed out on anything. They just, their top picks didn't perform the way as well as their second choices, right. you know. Um, and that's just, that happens to us, you know, betting too. You know, you like, right. there's two horses you kind of like, one you like a little better and the other one wins. And you bet the one, right. you know, one. That, that's just, right. that's that's life. You know, that's racing. That's I just horse think player. that what... It, what crosses my mind is that if I, if I like a horse in the race, then maybe I play another horse coming two horses in the same race. But, and then, and, and then of course I lose track when I got, I got, I got four plays left in this ticket and seven plays left in this ticket. So yeah, I, it's. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and if that's, you know, you it's a dance simplify. Yeah. You want to yeah. simplify and, and you've got a ticket that's doing well and one that's not then simplify and just focus right. on the ones doing good and maybe just put a bunch right. of bets in early on the other one. And if you get lucky, you get lucky, right. but focus on your main ticket. Right. I mean, if that, if that's confusing you or frustrating you, you're doing it to yourself, you know, just think of right. that second ticket as, as, you know, a, a gravy and focus on, you know, <laughs> the good one. Until it becomes your first ticket. Right. Right. And if that happens, great. Until, you lucked out. Right. Now you've got, yeah. And now, and now if they're, you got two good tickets. Maybe you play the same. You go right. back to you know, right. the starting. You know, it, it just depends. But yeah, you know, it, I do it, think this lament about splitting tickets just means that your top pick, correct. you know, was underperforming in the last part of the contest, and you got lucky correct. on your second choices. It doesn't really mean you would have done better if you had only played yeah. one entry. That's what I'm the point. I'm a conversation that with my brother. You know, yeah, every year they say up. Oh, I had this on my good ticket. Now my good ticket is my bad ticket. Now my bad ticket is my good ticket. You know, always it's it's always uh, it always comes up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna do the hybrid. I'm gonna try the hybrid this 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 year. Okay. It depends on what I like. Depends on how much I like. You know what I like. So. All right. Yeah. Well, good good luck. And so one last one. So two more things on the on the kind of the NHC uh, final table. You get to the final table. Does that going to change? With the top heavy kind of prize pool, are you going to really be taking swings to make it to win the thing, or are you going to just try to move your way up or maintain your position? You know, I, cash out with six figure or you know fifty, hundred thousand. You know, thank you, guaranteed fifty thousand. I am always looking to win the tournament. That's it. Any tournament, I, I, you know, it's um. I'm never really aware of what the money is. It's it's just at this point in my in my career, this point in my life, I uh, I just I'm looking to win the tournament. Always put myself in a position to win the tournament. Um, I'm not I'm not looking to to move up. I'm not when 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 I won the the year I won the tour. Um, I was. And and if I had won the NHC, I would have won the million dollar prize. Um, I was in I was in third place going into the last race. And the horse I liked 
uh, wasn't big enough price. It was the year that um, uh, was it? Uh, did Baychuck won that year? Someone was yeah twenty dollars ahead of me, thirty dollars ahead of me, and the horse I liked was was three to one. And uh, I played the horse that was gonna that, that was gonna that it, played a horse I didn't like because I had to that would that would have given me the the win. Um, and if I played the horse I liked, I would have stayed in third, and it was a big difference. But I have to try the win. I was I was standing next to a Jim Goodman was standing next to me during that last race, and he and he, uh, and he looked at me afterwards. He's like, I can't believe it. You you could have won a million ducks, but Dallas, you were so calm. How can you be so, say so calm? I said I didn't like my horse and <laughs> was shot, and it ran up the track. But I, I'm always trying to win. I'm always trying to win. My brother and I both. Any any pick and pray, any online, what's 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 it gonna take to win the tournament? Um my brother my brother won a, a tournament last week. He actually he's qualified, he, he won the Express tournament last week. He um uh and he won an entry to next year's NHC. So good good for him. He um he had a hundred dollars left and what come he liked one horse, what combination would get him enough to get him in first place, get him a thousand bucks plus past uh, the first place uh, who's in the clubhouse. And he had a hundred dollars called exacta and he hit it and he won the tournament. Um, it wasn't trying to, it would have been easier for him to try to get into third or second because the person in front in the lead had a, a, like a thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar lead. But he, the goal is always try to win the tournament. I played trifectus to get above the guy, and he played the one, hit the one cold exacta for like uh, seven thousand dollars and won the and won the tournament. Always, always trying to win. Always trying to win. So you mentioned your brother Bill, who's another excellent player. Um, uh, what sort of relationship do you guys have? You know, do you do you help each other out? Do you bounce each? ideas or you're totally different i mean you know how how do you two approach it and do do you um have the same style does he help you at all in terms of getting ready i mean i'm just curious what that relationship is in terms of you know betting or playing contests and for you guys it's primarily contests we we help each other out he pretty much he does different things than i do he knows what I do. He can pick out my horses. He knows what I'm going to play. He says, oh, you got, I know you're, you're going to play this horse because he's, you know, second off a layoff, three off the four-year-old, blah, blah, blah. And he's, uh, you know, best closer in the race. Uh, but so we'll help each other out mostly with strategy and mostly with um, – because we'll, we'll, we'll like different horses. We we'll like a lot of the same horses. He uses HCR. He doesn't use the thoroughgrass as much as I do. He doesn't think he needs. He thinks he can figure things out on on his own, um, as far as the numbers. And he looks he looks uh, at race replays. He's looking at comparative class ratings of, of of horses. I'm not looking at any of that, but he's looking at all that. Um, so we'll have we'll have different picks uh, we have a, a number of the same picks but mostly different but the strategy what we talk about is <laughs> what we need to win um he's very good with figuring out he can figure out 
what a horse is going to pay to place in, in an instant. So he's going to tell me, well, if you play this horse, you know, you could, you could win with the, if it comes in second, if you play this horse, um, then this might put you, yeah, play this exactly. Don't play this exactly because it won't put you, won't give you enough to win. Play this exacta. You know, th- there are, there are times when I, I'm just playing, you know, we're just playing horses based on the prices, depending on the, the tournament when, what, you know, we'll play like my brother played who we like to win. He'd love the horse to win. What's, what's going to uh, be a good price underneath uh, to, to win the tournament. That's how we played. When, I won the Monmouth Picky Prize a, f- a few years ago. I love the horse uh, to win. It's a three to one shot. And I had 300 bucks off the mid bankroll. So, what horses underneath would give me enough to win the tournament? So, I played basically the three longer shots underneath the, underneath the horse I liked. And uh, the, the 20 to one shot underneath hit, not necessarily because. I like that horse. I like the win. I love the winner, but because that would put me over, and I and I won that tournament. So we help each other out with with more numbers, more more uh, payoffs, and what we need to do well. Then you know, I can tell him who I like. He can tell me who he likes, um, but that usually won't change our opinions. I will never. He will never change my opinion. I'll never try to change his opinion. It's nice when we we like the same thing, but uh, God forbid um, I change his opinion or something he likes, or he says my opinion or something I like. Uh, that could work for you or against you, by the way. It's worked against us too. Yeah, I could have talked into that. We would have won the tournament, um, but we don't do that. We, we just, uh, whatever the other one likes, we give each other uh, why we like the horse. And basically, usually we stick with what we we initially picked. Was that the question? <laughs> yeah, I was just curious. So, do so it? Do you think it? So, is it? It helps having that second opinion, or, yes. or does it just confuse yeah. you? Because, like you said, it could work either way. It could work either way. If you like the same horses, fine. But if you like a different horse, do you start second guessing your opinion or do you stick? With, I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, unless he can convince me, uh, he, he, he won't talk me off a horse that I love. Like the, like, like the, uh, like the six to five at, uh, at, uh, at the horse, at the horse play world series. But if I'm ambivalent, he could talk me onto a, a horse that he likes or vice versa. But it doesn't really happen that often. Um, you know, I'm sitting at a table in NHC with a, with a lot of great players. Um, and we, the opinions are going back and forth. You know, I'm sitting with Wolfson Jr., who is the, uh, the, 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 the breeding expert. Um, so a lot of opinions and, and, and ideas are going back and forth. Um, and it, it all goes into, into the mix. But, uh, you know, as far as this... I, we, we work together. It helps, and it, it helps mostly with what do we need? What do we need? What do we need for this? For this at this point, and the odds. He's he can all right. Me. Yeah. So he's a little better on the quickly doing the math for you. Oh yeah. If you're, oh yeah. If you've got a horse you like, and you need to figure out how to play him. Right. He can tell you what the options are. Right. He also. He also. We we like to play. 
in in live tournaments, we like to play doubles. Um, and he's good at figuring out what the odds are going to be uh, on a horse in the second race based on the doubles and what. And so we're how much? Well, if I put two hundred dollars in this double, how much? How much will that go down? How how will that impact the 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 payout in that race? So he's he's very good at that. I'm not. So I want to talk about the live contest in a second, but I did have one other. Did anything else on the NHC before I I change the topic a little bit? Anything else just, that we haven't covered? Just uh, be prepared. Just have fun. Be prepared. Don't panic. That's 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 what I would. That's my advice. You know, don't don't go into the room needing to handicap because you don't have time. Again, in the in, in the middle of that tournament. When the horses, when the when the uh, tracks intersect, every three minutes there's a there's a there's a race going off. You don't have time to to handicap. You must be prepared uh, before you go in and have your picks picked out. And then, if you need to modify, you know, during the course of the tournament, you you a better chance of doing that if you know what what you what you like. You know what's coming up. Be prepared. Have fun. Don't panic. I like that. Um, it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Paul yeah. Sherman version. We'll give people a white towel with "Don't Panic" on it as they Don't walk panic. into the ballroom at the NHC. Right. Uh, good. All right. So I want to talk just a little bit about online um, mythical contests because those are going on every day. I know you are involved in those. Um, uh, many of them are, you know. Pick and pray, and by pick and pray means you have to put all your picks in before the start of the first race. Right. And you know, how how do you approach those? Um, what's the difference there, if any? Um, and you know, from what we talked about on the NHC, and again, do you play multiple entries in any of those? And if so, how do you do the multiple entries? I play multiple entries in the pick and prays, and I play the same horse the same plays on all the entries except in the situation where i said before where there are uh, two bombs in a race which i can't i can't uh dif- differentiate uh, that's the one time i'll split otherwise I'll play the same picks on every entry you know if you play different picks you know i see people i see people doing that it's like it's like ruining your your roi you know it's like it's like playing four different horses to win in, in a race, and yeah, he paid five to one, but you you you, know, you didn't get five to one because you bet four four different horses. Um, if if I'm going to hit something, I'm going to hit all of them. Um, the other day I played, uh, I played one of you know the 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 pre the feeders for the uh, for some of the later the tournaments, the Keeneland, the money tournament. Uh, I'm not even sure what for, and I played all the same. I won all four, so of course I did. When you do, when that happens to you, it's usually a bad omen for the rest of your day. When you when you hit all the races, but um, I, I I play them all. If I hit if I if I qualify, it's it's a windfall. If I don't, then I'll then what I usually do is I pick out one I want to play and play that. Um, uh, but so you're uh, saying you play multiple contests, same picks as the same as, as two entries in the same contest. You're playing Correct. like one entry in multiple contests. Correct. Um, and you're either going to live and die 
Yeah, right. With with the horse that with the with the horses I like, right? Right. Um, what about uh, do you play any of the live contests? Um, and does that change the way you play? Yeah, well, so mythical, but it's live now. So you 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 don't have to put all your picks in advance just to let listeners know who aren't familiar. So you can it's, play it race by race. I would be more likely to play different horses depending on where i am try to play the same horse but mark the split um you know those tournaments the prizes are top heavy you know you're not really trying to come in second and third or third and fourth or first. they're just so, so top heavy you know a lot of the tournaments you know there's one prize it's one keelan you know, grade one gamble entry you can win you there are two you know a horse horse tournaments, championship tournaments. So uh, there, I'm not trying to, you know, get two into the top 10. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, again, win that tournament, because there's only one or, two, or maybe two prizes. So in the, in the live mythical, um, I would, I would play different horses. If I'm playing two different, tor- if I'm playing, if I'm playing one tournament, two entries, I would play different. If I'm if I'm playing one entry in two tournaments, I would stay the same until I need to go different. Um, if that if that makes sense. Also, it's very possible that based on the tournament you're in, the numbers are higher or lower for one of the tournaments, so that could affect how you play that tournament. So, um, I won an entry into the uh, the 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 horse tennis tournament coming up in a few in a few weeks, and I was also playing in the money tournament, and I won the players championship entry, but would have come in twelfth. I came in like twelfth in the in the money tournament. So. <laughs> that's also an aspect. If you're playing two different tournaments, depending on how many people in the tournament, the, the, your, your goals could be different. Your, your, uh, the, your needs could be different. So you wouldn't play a horse you need in the live money tournament when I'm in 25th place, then, it, then if I'm in the uh, horse players championship tournament, I'm in fifth place. Different. So does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, so it sounds like yeah, it sounds like for the live contest, there's a lot more in-game strategy Correct. you can employ. Where the pick Correct. and pray, you know, you just right, you can't do anything once the the contest starts. But in the live contest, it, it's so context dependent on where you are in the leaderboard, right? right? Um, and also, I have changed my my thinking with regard to the online tournaments. I used to just play the. Uh, just play the the money tournaments, thinking that yeah, I come in top top five, top six, I could win. But um, I still collect, and if I collect two thousand dollars, I've I've won as much as I've I've won the entry fee to the the, the horse tourney's tournament, whatever. But my my thinking has changed, and I've had a lot of success by I really don't not really playing the live money tournaments anymore. I'm instead I'm playing the tournaments with entry fees 
that give you entry fees until like the grade one gamble, $3,500 entry fee or or the uh, the Pegasus, $6,000 entry fee because there are less people playing. And if I, if I miss the 20 to one shot, there's a good chance that no one else in the tournament had it. Whereas in the money tournament with 120 people, 20 people will have that horse. So I've had a lot of success. You know, my, my philosophy used to be, I'm not going to play in any tournament that doesn't offer more than two prizes. But now, you know, if there's, it's easier for me to, to beat 19 people in a tournament than to come in top 5% in a tournament with 120 people. So I, I, you'll see me more in the, in the smaller tournaments because I, I have a better chance, I, I think, of, of winning that than, than, um, than coming high up in the money in the money tournaments. I mean, you can miss something. You can miss something in the in the in the small tournaments, and no one will have it. It's it's really, it's really it's 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 interesting. And that makes a lot of sense for. Um, it it depends on your style of play. I, again, sort of going to back to the NHC thing. If you're playing the horses you like and you're willing to take shorter prices, what you describe makes perfect sense because, you know, you're probably you know. Uh, better off in races where less people are going to have the long shots. But if you're right. one of those long shot players and that's all you're playing, you're probably better off in those bigger contests um, because right. uh, you'll probably whiff a lot and, you know, you'll right. lose uh, in those shorter ones. So it sort of depends on your style and, and kind of how you approach it. So it sort of, to me, makes a lot of sense that you would be more successful right. in those lower variance um, right. kinds than the high variance kind because you try to you're 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 by kind of definition trying to take some variance out in the way you play. Right. Right. So you brought up though now you're winning entries into these live money contests and some of the bigger bankroll ones like Pegasus and Breeders' Cup Betting right. Challenge, which is the the granddaddy and you know, grade one gamble. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your your approach to those contests and well, and you know let me start off by saying that the the big tournaments, the the uh, Pegasus, which I, I won two entries into that this year, and the uh, Breeders' Cup, which I won entries into too, they're not our forte. I'll, I'll include my brother into that because we both we will will share an entry. Or we'll 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 discuss those, but um, I'm not the kind of person who's willing to spend you know thirty thousand dollars in the last race in order to win the tournament. Um, and it's not the way I normally would, would, would gamble. We do very well in the lower live money tournaments, the, the 500 tournaments or the thousand tournaments. Um, but the, the other problem with the Breeders' Cup or, or a tournament like Pegasus is that Unlike your regular racing days, there's not that much, there's not that many angles to play. You know, Breeders' Cup day, Breeders' Cup races, all the horses are ready to go. All the trainers are ready to go. They're all primed and there's no, well, he's second off a layoff or, well, he's going three to four or, well, 
you know, hit a new top last race, and now he should bounce or get back. There, there's, there's very little of that. I actually, in the Breeders' Cup days, I usually do better on the, the, the pre-races, the pre-Breeders' Cup races, because they're more variables. But when you have races where they're all prime, they're all ready, they're all top horses, they're all top trainers, it's more difficult to differentiate um, and find the angles I would normally play. So our, our success in, in those type of tournaments is not great. And I love the fact that I win, to- win into them usually because then it's, I'm playing with other people's money. Um, the smaller tournaments we do better in, um, you know, we have, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make bets where one bet will put us in the money or close to the top. That's, that's the strategy. Um, big daily doubles. We, we, we've been focused on doubles lately. Um, big exactors, but you know, creeping up the ladder, you know, you're lucky enough to get one exactor. You know, that should exa- that exactor should should win you some money. That exactor that you like that you like that you hit should pay you enough to get you at the top or close to the top. You're not gonna uh, let me hit three win bets and then I'll have money for later on. No, you're trying to you're trying to win it all at one one shot. That's that's our strategy now. We've been do- we've been trying that with doubles. You know, my brother hit one big exacta. Uh, in that tournament a few weeks ago, um, about $100 doubles, $200 doubles on horses that will, uh, on combinations that will get you on or close to the top. We usually, actually we usually shoot for, you know, significantly over the top at that, you know, depending on, like my brother was shooting for the leader of the last tournament, like 4,500. He was shooting for like 6,000. That's what he was shooting for. And he hit it. So, and I played triples. I was shooting for the same, like like eight, nine thousand, and uh, so that's 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 the strategy. Uh, again, I could, I prefer the lower the lower price live money, lower being five hundred or thousand, not really lower, but um, because those are not during race days, which which I think I, I have less of an advantage. So let's talk about. Um... So let me just summarize what I thought I heard you say. You're not comfortable betting, you know, fifty or a hundred thousand dollars on a race. So the strategy that a lot of the successful big money contest players have of kind of parlaying chalk, chalk, chalk is not your style because you get to that third chalk, you don't want to be betting fifty or thousand dollars. That's just not you're not that's you're not comfortable doing that. So your job, your approach is I'm going to jump right to the end. So I'm going to try to find one bet that takes me where I want to go rather than three-step approach. So that way I'm risking a smaller amount, but I still have a chance to win the contest. Is that fair? Correct. Correct. Now, if, if I had a bank up to like $40,000, I would, I would bet $10,000 to to try to win a tournament, but I certainly would wouldn't bet as someone did. I think for the last Breeders Cup, fifty thousand on a on the on the favorite in the last race. You know, no, uh, actually, two Breeders Cups back, it was over a hundred thousand on Flightline. Right, 
Um, but, um, you know, there are enough, there are enough ways to collect, you know, and, and it surprises me. I'm sure it surprises you too, that like in the, in the tournament that my brother won, he had a hundred dollars left and he, and he made a winning play. Um, the bankroll in that tournament was $300. So it, it shocks me that there are people who don't play that last race, who don't give them a chance to win. You know, how are people ending up with $400 or $500 or $200 or $100 and not making that last play when, you know, a $100, uh, you know, exacto or $10 trifectas you know, playing a hundred dollars in your bankroll could win you the equivalent of, of $25,000. So that, that to me is an advantage to us because people hold on to the money, even though, you know, their entry fee was 300. They are, okay. I ended up with, uh, I got my entry fee back or five, I got my entry fee back. So I'm not going to play anymore, but you're, you're playing this to try to win a significant amount of money. So I don't understand why, a lot of people won't play that last hundred dollars or last two hundred or last four hundred dollars when they have a chance to win, uh, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand. So uh, it's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't have the answer to that, um, and I've asked myself that same question. Um, you know, a lot of times the people who are at zero at the end of the contest that have zero are the ones you want to fear in the next contest more than the ones that, like you said, right. ended up with a few hundred dollars. Because, right. you know, to end up with a few hundred dollars, it, you're probably not trying to win the contest. So, right, exactly. Uh, uh, I I think you're you're on to something there. But let me talk a little bit about you know you're trying to win it in one swing. What about early on in the contest? If you have a horse you like, how do you figure what you, it's going to take to win the contest? Um, you know, yeah. early on, you don't have you a have target, a, and it's not we're not on the last a, race of the contest. You know, you have a pretty good idea. You have, now, now there's of course there's always you know somebody could always hit for seventeen thousand, some trifecta for seventeen thousand. You can't do anything about that. But you know, in a, in a five hundred tournament, five thousand. If I get to five thousand, I'm going to do okay. And at the very least, I'll have a thousand to play in the last race to to cover what I need, or I'll have a thousand to bet. In the, yeah, I'll have a lot of money to bet in the interim to to get to where I need. So, I, I would say in a in a in a five dollar live money tournament, I I'd shoot for you know, four or five thousand dollars. So, like um, ten times the bankroll. That's yeah, kind of my, my rule. I would say so. But again, the, someone could hit in a, a hundred dollar trifecta and then blow you out of the water and then you're shooting for second place. But, um, although my brother, my brother would shoot for the $17,000, um, the, uh, well, a bit of trifecta, but a hundred dollar trifecta, but, but, but I can get $20,000. That's, yeah, that's, um, so uh, you have a pretty good idea of what, what will get you at least in the money. Uh, so that's, that's what I shoot for early. And I'm usually, not betting my entire bankroll early. So if I have a three hundred dollar bankroll, I could be betting a hundred dollar doubles that would get me hundred dollar doubles, fifty dollar doubles that would get me up to that point. But I, I, again, I will always have money in the end. I'll always have a hundred dollars to the end because I can always win the tournament with hundred dollars. So do you play the same kind of horses you normally do 
in those contests, you know, the one you take the big swing, yes. maybe you make different bet. Like yes. It's a double or it's active, but you're it, still looking for the same kind of horse. Yes. I'm looking for a horse I like in one race a lot. And then seeing, seeing what it would take with doubles to get me to a certain point in the following race. Um, I, I, I'm for some reason more comfortable doing that with doubles than with exactas, but you could do the same with exactas, you know, hundred dollar exacta with, with a, um, with a price underneath. Um, but we're more likely to do a doubles that would get us to a, a very high point. And then we can do in the next race, especially if you have two entries, you can go doubles with a different horse going into the following, following race. You can, so you could sort of uh, hopscotch it, so to speak. That's a, that's a strategy we've had a little success with. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for something that, that I'm not looking to double my money. I'm not looking to get it to a $600 bankroll. I'm looking to get to, you know, $4,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000. And you're trying to get it in that one swing. Find a I'm, horse you bro, like, leverage it in a way that you think it gets correct. 10 times the, bank, the starting bankroll which will Correct. put you in a position to win the contest. Right. And then in the last race, you kind of play it um, depending on, you know, situationally. Right. And again, handicap, what's the first race I look at? The last race of the contest. That's the first race I look at. So what about the contest where you have to play, you know, a certain minimum amount in five races? Yeah. Well, you that's... only have one or two horses you like on to play how do you get through those those races well you know if it happened if the horse you like if the races you you like happen early enough then you can just blow it all in those races if they happen late then you know you try to pass through but that's uh, my brother and i have different philosophies on that i try to pass through it uh, one to five shot to show you know to just get that race out of the way my brother thinks it's a waste of money and he's probably right um but um you know you you can you can play you can play conservatively I, I need to have enough money at the end to do what i want to do at the end um so getting there if it's that if the horse i like are late then then getting there is uh can be a little difficult can be a little challenge i i, I could play something to get me a little extra bankroll but it's definitely not one nothing that uh, you know, if I don't love it, then then I'm not betting that much money on it. But you got to get through. You got to try to pat. You got to get through the race. But your philosophy isn't trying to build bankroll and make no. a bigger swing. It's right to no. take a big swing right out of the gate. And ideally, yeah. that would be an early race where you can either be, you know, in great shape or out of the contest and not have to worry about meeting right. all the minimums and stuff. And but if you have. The disadvantage of it, of course, is that if you do hit early, other people have the target to shoot at. So, right. Or they can get discouraged. One of the two. Yeah. And I know people say they don't want to be the target, but I'd much rather be the target because you can always That's take a, right. a some swing to Correct. move the bar. Um, but we're in a worse and best case, nobody catches you anyway. Um, but right. worst case, even if they do, maybe you pass, you know, you, you move the bar right. even farther. So right. I, I still would much rather be in that position of being. Right. No, I agree. Oh, sure. You got money in your pocket, too, right? Right. Especially if you're not, you know, you, you don't have to, like, go. You, you can make a, 
a modest wager at the end to move the bar and still win, right? And maybe even still right. win. Uh, and if you're smart, you might even win even if you lose that last bet. Whereas everybody else, Correct. the only way they can possibly win is to hit that last bet, right? So there's a lot of end strategy when you're in the in the lead of not not bidding enough not to not to blow your lead. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot. Um, those are probably our favorite tournaments. Our favorite, you know, online tournaments are those five hundred thousand dollar live monies. So. Um, multiple entries you mentioned that um you know what's your strategy on the multiple entries on that would you just take gives you a chance to take two swings is that how you would use two in entries in it, you know it it could be two swings or it could, you could uh, collude with yourself you know and take it take a horse take a bigger life. swing in one race you're saying um take or, or, cover have, have more have more options so Take take double you know take exactas and and cover six you know cover five horses in the below your in the bottom of your exact instead of instead of two or three so again you're 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 colluding with yourself you're combining your entry in a way that gives you a better chance to win so if you love a horse it's that's three to one now and you can you can bet. You can cover more horses and underneath it that would give you a shot, or you could, or, or you, could, you could weight them. You could also weight them in a in, in a in a in a easier way that would give you a shot at a big payoff. Or doubles, you know, you could do you could use you could cover different doubles, cover more doubles. So it just gives you ability to increases your chances of hitting that on that horse you like. Where if you had one entry, Correct. say to, in order to get your target. You can only use one or two horses. If you have two entries right. now, you can use three or four. Right. Um, so if I so like have a better one, chance. If I like the one horse in race one, and I like, and I'm figuring out who to play in race two, instead of doing uh, covering one 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 two one three, and not covering one 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 two one three one four one five one six, and weight it in such a way that'll you know that, that will that will uh, get me to a point. So the first one still still has to win, but now on one if it hits in one ticket, I'll have. A, a nice amount of money. So, anything else about live bankroll contests? With the same with exactus. You, you can cover. What's that? No, I was going to say anything else on the live contest that we haven't covered that you want to add in. Um, just, just you can you, you can always win. You're never you're really never out of it. Even fifty dollars, you know. I'd, um, you know, uh, the the best female handicap, right? I think right now is 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 Christy Moore, who who always hits that you know has that last trifecta, and she she saves a few hundred bucks, and she plays fifty dollars tries, and uh, and she does very well doing that. Same to the same to the last contest. You you can always win. You can you always have you know you have fifty dollars, seventy five. You can always hit something. Always hit something. Yeah. In fact, I totally agree with you, and I, I laugh because some people say they hate like mythical contests because people are stabbing at the end. And I'm thinking, well, live bankroll—you can stab. It's a lot easier to stab in a live bankroll. Right. Mythical, if you're too far back, it really doesn't matter. Plus, everybody else could be on exactly the same horse. Right. They are going to be. Whereas in a live bankroll, you know, you could play a super, or, or depending on the format, tries or exactas, and you know, there's a lot of better chance that you take a stab from way behind and be the only person that had it, you know? Right. 
Right. So I, I, you know, there's going to be stabbing in any competitive event, even if it's, you know, uh, hockey teams are going to be pulling the goalie at the end of the other game or, you know, basketball, they're going to be fouling you as soon as you touch the ball. Um, I mean, or throwing a Hail Mary passes every competitive kind of event. You know, if you're behind, you're going to be playing differently than you would if you're ahead. And that's just part of sport. Um, that's and part, I think that, people just need to accept that, you know, in contest. That's part of the game, and you'll you'll benefit from it as much as you will you you suffer from it. So you know, gone both ways. I've you know lost in the last race and won in the last race. So you know, it it really you know, you, you you tend to remember when you get burned, but you forget when you don't when you win by that that way. So yeah. Uh, um, it, it happens, it happens, you know, in the middle of contest and, the, and it can be at the last minute it happens less than you think. It does seem so that, for, yeah, no, uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, so if you, you know, you said your favorite format is the kind of the, not the, you know, the, the 500 to a thousand dollar bankroll versus the, the live you know, money. Yeah. And live right. money. And. Uh, what about from a rule set? Uh, you know, what would be your favorite rule set? You do you like having to play five races, or you rather where you could you know, like Hawthorne has contests where you can bet. You know, as long as you bet your whole bankroll, even I guess even Express Bet does that some. Yeah, you know, is that I, I, the kind of format you like? What what format is? Your I like uh, I like uh, no 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 uh, mandatory number of races. I I like um, not having to make a choice to pass through. But that's why I'm playing. I'm playing. You know, one or two bets. So to have to risk a portion of that bankroll, even on a, a one to five to show, is I don't I don't prefer that. So I prefer, you know, five hundred bucks. Play it how you want. So the Hawthorne contest. I like the Hawthorne. Have. I went to Hawthorne. Went to Hawthorne. I had a great time at Hawthorne. Um, they treat you really well. I, I recommend that. Um, and I'll be going back there. But that's a it's a great it's a great tournament, great format. Uh, like that. Uh, all right. So I'm going to move on from contests unless you have anything else on the contest and ask you a few other questions about betting and horse play in general. Anything else okay. on contests? I think we covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, this was great. I really wanted to have a uh, one of these bet with the best podcasts where we spent time on, on contests and not just the live bankroll contest because I know, uh, you know, mythical contests they can be fun and profitable and you've had a lot of success. So I wanted to spend a little right. time on that, but I want to move now kind of a little bit more on the betting side. So one of the things, um, you know, from a betting standpoint that gets a lot of people interested are, are carryovers. Do you play like, you know, pick five, pick sixes and chase carryovers or are you more about, you know, sounds like you're more of like a finding a horse you like and leveraging it kind of thing. I thought you might ask me that, and I was thinking to myself, I in my life, in my life, and I've been doing this for for a, a you know a long time, decades, decades. I've probably pay, played pick sixes ten times. I just don't, I don't, just don't do it. I just don't play them. It's just, uh, it's just, it's 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 too hard. It's too much time, and I'm I'm just don't do it. I I I will play. Uh, pick fours and pick fives during tournaments. Uh, if I've handicapped, you know, all the races, 
especially in like a pick and pray. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I don't spread, too, I don't have to spread too much. If I, don't, if I don't have to spread too much in one or two legs, I will play a pick four or pick five. I don't look for carryovers. I don't, I don't, I never play pick sixes. When they first started having pick sixes back in, oh God, probably the eighties, I would say, because I remember being in law school and they first started having pick sixes. I was up in Saratoga with a friend of mine and we, a friend of us had a, at a house and we sat on the porch and there were eight people of us. We put together uh, a, a pick six. We worked for hours on it. And I don't know how many thousands we put into the pick six. I mean, not that much at that time, but we missed the first three legs. So it's like, okay. Um, I just, it's just, I, I don't, I don't chase it. Um, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever played a Gulfstream, the, uh, it's a cheap Gulfstream one. I, yeah, if if I'm with, uh, you know, some of my friends with, with Ray Arsenault or uh, some of those Canadian guys uh, who uh, who like to put together tickets, I'll say, oh, give me, give me, I'll take a 50 year ticket. But I never, I just never do it. It's just, uh, I'm a tournament guy. If I'm play, if I if I'm if I hand up a card during a tournament and I, I can keep a ticket down, I will play a pick four, or pick five. Otherwise. Uh, I don't play them. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like even tournament or even betting, you're looking for like that one horse you can leverage as opposed to trying yeah. to navigate a, a sequence. And you, it sounds to me like you don't, you don't like playing the horse race where there's not a horse that you really like. You want to focus on the ones you like. Right. Which right. makes perfect sense for, you know, why would you want to play a pick five oh. if the chances are you might be <laughs> best one maybe two horses that you really like in the sequence right right why would i play a um, horse like right yeah and there's a lot of people who don't play those horizontals plus you know those are the hardest things to hit um and the biggest takeouts right yeah they, and they you know the ticket construction becomes a big big piece of that um versus you know if you're just betting to win yeah, more around the handicapping and the betting. You know, there's a value aspect to it, but maybe maybe not. when I retire, I can figure out the right that the, the ticket shaping and whatever. Maybe I have more time to do that, but I, right now I, I just can't. You know, waiting tickets and you know, you know, Randy Gallo was the expert in that. Randy Gallo used to wait until the uh, and his group used to wait until there's huge carryovers, and then he'd only play it if if he thought he could be the lone winner and he was very successful that way. But that's, that's a lot of effort and a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of whatever. Uh, I just, I like my tournaments, Chris. So in terms of the tournaments or, or even in the betting side, um, you know, what's the biggest lesson that you learned over the years that you've been doing it? Um, you know, that would, benefit other people if you know they can maybe avoid some of the pain that you encountered um before you learn that lesson um along with don't panic um do with what do what works for you don't change what you do how you normally handicap because you're in a big tournament you know don't start if if you're not a uh, 
a race replay guy, don't start doing race replays because it's the NHC. If you're not a breeding guy, don't start to learn breeding or think you know anything about breeding for the NHC because it's a big tournament. You're good enough to get there doing what you normally do and trust that. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got to be, you know, you're, you're good already. And if you're very good on a few days and lucky, because you got to be good and lucky to, to do well in these, in this tournament, then uh, you'll have a good day. But otherwise just, just have fun, have fun. That's my advice. So stick with your game right. and have fun. Have fun. Don't panic. Have fun. Stick with the game. Yeah, and I would say. I, I, right. Yeah, and I would second the don't do anything new because the one thing that will be, it can be overwhelming, the amount of work you have to do if you really want to be prepared. Like you said, if you want to be able to go into that contest room knowing what you're going to play, the last thing you want to do is start adding work. <laughs> Um, right. to get prepared because you probably will exhaust yourself or, or fall behind in that. And so, yeah, sticking to your process makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, so what do you think is the biggest mistake people make? This is panicking, kind of the same question, maybe. Panicking but, too early. Same thing. They panic. Oh, my God. Or, yeah. I, this is, I, again, play, play who you like. You know, the, whole, the whole thing. The whole thing. Play who you like. Don't panic. They go in there and they have a misconception of, of what they need or what needs to be done or how hard it is to get to a, 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 a certain point, to get to that cut line of 170-ish. Um, you know, you don't realize that, you know, a, a 4 to 1 gets you back $15. That's huge. That's, that's huge in this tournament. That's, that's passing, you know, 70 people. It's, 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 it's uh, just, just... Don't panic. Play who you like. See where you are, and then and just enjoy. Take it in. I mean, it's so much fun. I've been there. This will be my. It's amazing. Twenty-two years in a row. Twenty-two years in a row. It's crazy. I was a kid when I started, and now I'm an old man. It's uh, it's yeah, two thousand three. We were there. Two thousand three. It's amazing. It's crazy. Crazy, and I yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that, you know, the part you, you, you emphasize many times is, you know, don't panic. And it seems like it, it would be easy, you know, that because you, you've done, you've been playing horses for a long time. You've never been in the NHC, but yeah, you know, I, I know I can't have every long shot kind of thing. But when you're in the contest room and the, you know, guy sitting on the table next to you screaming and celebrating this and you see other people all excited because this long shot just came in. It's a lot easier to start panicking when right. you have a couple races like that. And you're thinking, well, all these people are hitting these long shots and I haven't hit anything, you know. It, first of all, first of all, first of all, a lot of them are screaming yelling because they had a, an exact bet out of their pocket on these on these races. Or they, oh, yeah, I had it I had it in, for, in my real money, but I didn't play in the contest. I got a lot of those, too. So a lot of the screaming might not even be for the contest. Um, the other piece of advice, which, which I should have given earlier, this is very important is you gotta be organized, especially if you have two entries, but it's just as much for one, keep, you know, keep your, 
your tickets in one place, put them together, what's what I do. So mark your obstacles, know how many obstacles you have left, know how many mentors you have left, know, you know, if you have two entries, keep your tickets, tickets separate. So later on, when you're, when you're you know, not sure what you've been doing, you can go through your tickets again real quickly. Don't throw them on the floor. Don't toss them in the middle of the table with everyone else's tickets. Be organized. Keep them together. Mark them. Do O for optional, M for mandatory, so you know exactly what you played and what you have left. And so organization is really important, especially, it's important for one entry, especially for two entries. Yeah, and the NAC gives you like a little score sheet where if you fill that out. Right. Makes it easy to keep track of the man. It tells you exactly what mandatory races are and what time they are. Right. And they got a side for your optional plays. So if you f- keep that up to date and you have one for each entry, if you have two, and you know, just that little tool is helpful. That, that helps. But, you know, if, if, it, if it's anything like my sheet, I got cross outs, I got arrows, <laughs> I, got, I got, you know, this and that. I got all sorts of different things on them. So do that and also keep your tickets on each entry together so you can look at them quickly and go through them quickly if you have to which you will yeah and that organized part is the planning part like if you can be prepared before you go in the room knowing you know these are the main races i'm interested in here's the horses i want i'm probably going to play right you you have that written down somewhere um that makes it a lot easier too because where it gets really crazy in the NHC is like the middle of the day when right. all the tracks are going at the same time and you know how, and they're post dragging like crazy. So the post times don't match what they had published and right. they're going on top of each other. I mean, you have got to be on top of your, um, you know, picks and right. make sure you're getting those in and you might can't wait till the last 10 seconds to make some of these right. plays. Um, right. You know, that's where looking at will pays and things like that are important. If there's a certain price you want to get before right. you play it, you know, you you got to be thinking ahead because if you're trying to do things on the fly, you're going to just get you're in overwhelmed. Trouble. You're in yeah. trouble. I've got my, I come in with my legal pad and my, my 25 plays on the legal pad and then I check them off. And if, you know, we're, we're very good at, at, at picking bad morning lines. So, uh, um, you know, so that, that twin and a one's three to one, you might not play it. Um, so I have, I have, yeah, I have 25 picks, which, you know, there are main picks and backups in case the odds are just really off because of course a, a, a good play at 15 to one is a horrible play. It can be a horrible play at three to one and, and, and vice versa. Um, so I basically, I have my picks coming in. I sit there and, uh, do very little with any handicapping and in the end, I'll do a little bit, but during the tournament. Now that's here are my picks. I like them for some reason. Uh, sometimes I'll double check. Of course, I'll say, well, how come I like this horse? Oh yeah, that's why uh, that's, that's about the only looking back at the, uh, HTR, the sheets that I do. All right. Anything else on uh, contest play or the NHC? I think, I think we covered it pretty much, Chris. I think we got two hours of, uh, uh, pearls of wisdom that we drop people. <laughs> My sixth right, well, I, teacher I, I, used to say, "I drop pearls of wisdom. You just got to pick them up." All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I do have two more questions. One Go. is, um, I like to ask, you know, if you had a magic wand and you could make the racing game better, or the contest game better, or both, um, 
you know, what would you do? What change I, or I would I would find a way to, to make sure the odds don't change halfway through the race. Uh, because it's a it, it kills it it kills a regular game, but also the racing game. If I if I play a horse with seven to one going to the gate and he's three to one coming around the turn, that 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 it kills everything. So that's that's you know my my magic wand. Fix it in some way. I don't know how you do it. Um, where I the odds into the gate or the odds coming out of the gate. Amen. Um... Uh, last question. I'd like to end on a high note. Um, have you shared like a memorable score? It could be a bet or a contest win or whatever. Um, you know, just something doesn't have to be your biggest score or anything, but what, what's a real memorable score you look back on fondly? Memorable score. I've had, uh, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of scores memorable. Um, the most memorable boy. Or just a memorable one. Oh well, the, the the my first my coming in third in the NHC uh, back in two thousand two thousand nine. Um, I, I came in behind uh, I think Conte and the Coward, but it's hundred thousand dollar win. And that was the first real big hit I had. Um, my most memorable experience, which I hated. Uh, was uh, winning the uh, winning the tour NHC tour, <laughs> followed by <laughs> the moment the most memorable experience that I also hated more was coming in second in the NHC tour and and having Gutfreund beat me on the last on the last uh, the last week when people were I was getting a text from people saying ah Rich Nielsen wrote me a text you like in 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 October, you're one to five to win the tour. You went to, and Gutfreund just, just had a, an amazing month and deservedly so he won the tour, but that was, so my, 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 you know, anyone who tells you, anyone who wins the tour will tell you how a, a horrible experience it is. Uh, and the tour, Ross Gallo taught me a long time ago that, uh, that you don't pick the tour, the tour picks you. So once you, if you're early and hit something, win a tournament or two that now you're now you're going after the tour and it was when i won the tours every 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 weekend getting up early handicapping flying around the country watching everyone else's scores it's it's just it's brutal it's brutal um and then going through it again with gutfreund after doing so well and then having people tell me it's, it's it's a lock you're a lock and then having them just just blow by me in the last week was brutal but that so those are memorable experiences the first you know the coming in during the nhc that year and then the, the two tours were uh were pretty uh memorable <laughs> they, those were the best of times in the worst, the worst times. times. <laughs> <laughs> all right well well with that um we'll we'll uh end it i want to thank you paul for sharing all your insights on contests hopefully some of the players that will be heading out, listeners are going to be heading out to the NHC. And if they are, hopefully they will stop by and say hello to yeah. you, Paul. Um, and uh, also to me, I'd love to say hello. I like to, um, we, we try to stay focused, but uh, like yeah. Paul, I try to have a plan heading into the room. So at least early in the day when there's not too much going on, uh, I can, I'm usually happy to talk to right. people. Right. Um, so hopefully you'll go out there, have fun, don't panic, um, come prepared, um, 
and may you boldly go where no horse right. player has gone before. Or very few have gone before. Great, Chris. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Anytime.